little bit of background on me, if anyone doesn't know. I finished university in 2007 and then immediately did an internship for a year within this church. Shortly after that, I was employed by this church for a few years um, and then um, decided to take uh, four, just over four years ago, decided to, to, to make a change. And I decided I wanted to get experience, life experience in the workplace outside of a church environment. And actually, um, it's, I don't know whether this is coincidence, whether this is God or, or what, but I'm talking about glorifying God in work. And I've had an amazing four years working outside of church. Um, and it's a privilege to come back here in September. Absolutely looking forward to it. Um, but today's message, I guess, is a few maybe anecdotes, a few thoughts about those four years particularly that I've had at work um, I've worked in a primary school. I've worked with reception children this high. Not quite my, I wouldn't say it was my, um, my niche tripping over. I was once stabbed in the eye by a, ch- by a child who was over-enthusiastically cutting. Got a, an uppercut in the eye with a pair of scissors. Um, and then I moved into a year two class, which was slightly taller, slightly better. But more recently, I've been working with, I guess, my more niche age group, 16 to 19-year-olds in a sixth-form college. Um, and they all know that I'm leaving, and it's been, um, it's been quite a lovely, um, well, long departure, but it's been a lovely departure as well. They're hugely interested in what I'm going to be doing here, and the conversations that I've had have been amazing. Um, so we're talking today about glorifying God in work, or at work, or slash school, because we've got some people who don't know work, but they know school, so we get... I'm going to try and cover both bases as best as I possibly can. But I thought, as this is the first of a new series, Glorifying God, I thought I'd just introduce this word, glorify. Because it's not a word that we really use that often in the English language nowadays. Normally, we use it almost more derogatory. You know, he's, he's a glorified punk or whatever. You know, we use... I couldn't think of another one. You know, you know what I mean? We often, peop- we often kind of use it derogatory. We don't often use the word glorify or glorified in the English language. But in the Bible, the Bible is littered with it. Um, the Bible is, um, I had a quick look and I didn't do a count. Um, but, you know, there's glorified, there's glorifieth, there's glorif- glorious, there's glory. There's all sorts of variations on the same word. And actually, even in the Hebrew word, um, even that word that we use in English, glorify, there are variations. They use different meanings in Hebrew and also later in the New Testament in Greek. And I've got three. There's a couple more, but I'm going to use, give you three definitions based on the original translations. Um, and to help me, I've got some scriptures to kind of put it into context. So to begin from the New King James Version, we've got Psalm 86, verse 12. And it says this, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. Now, this word, in case you're not sure what we're talking about when we talk about glorify, in this instant and a few other instants in the Old Testament, it's talking about making heavy, make weighty, make more numerous or richer. So God is God. God, as we learned last last week, is unstoppable. He is impossible. He is bigger than we know. But we can make God appear more weighty. We have a responsibility to make God appear richer and heavier and just a greater size and magnitude. Even though he is God and he's massive, we have a responsibility to honor or promote him. We are his publicity team. We are his marketing directors. We are the people that promote and honor God. And that's our responsibility to glorify him. Another translation, I think maybe this is my favorite. Isaiah 60 verse 21 says... 
Also, your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. This is talking about to beautify, to embellish, to to gleam, to almost boast, to almost look at something and say, wow, look at the beauty of God. Now, God is beautiful. God is, he doesn't need makeup. He doesn't need a beauty treatment. He doesn't need anything. He almost allows us to beautify him because the world can pollute the image of God. Your colleagues at work can say things that you, in your heart, know that is, that is ugly. So we as a people of God need to beautify the name of God like never before. We need to embellish. We need to gleam like a finely polished piece of silver to boast on God. That's what glorify means. And the final verse and the, and the final sort of definition, and this is a New Testament one, so we're talking using the original Greek word now. John 17 verse 1 says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. So God glorifies Jesus. Jesus glorifies God. A little bit like we glorify God, and we can glorify Jesus as well. And this is a translation. This word, same word, glorify, means to magnify. So God doesn't need, he doesn't need to be any bigger. He is the biggest. But sometimes, as I've said before, in the workplace or wherever you go, people have a small view of God. Pastor Charles was addressing the issue. Sometimes as Christians, we've had Bible teaching. We've listened to preachers. We've been in church services all our life, and we still have a small vision of God. So in order to glorify God, we need to magnify our vision. We need to expand and stretch our vision of an unstoppable, impossible God. And that is glorify. So today we're talking about glorifying God. So if you haven't got your magnifying glass, if you haven't got your beauty products, if you haven't got your, um, your weighing scales, then you need to be doing that. We need to be making God weightier, more beautiful, bigger. Not that he needs it. But the world sometimes needs to see a bigger version of the God that we serve. So to introduce this topic of work, I thought, how can I introduce this? I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm going to use the medium of memes. Do you want to know what a meme is? If you don't know what a meme is, you're about to be educated. If you're on social media, you will know what a meme is. Um, I'm going to tell a bit of a story, and Toby is going to help us out with a few images on screen. To introduce this topic of work and school. So we've all been at work and fell out of our depth. Have you ever felt like a dog wearing a builder's outfit trying to work out what on earth am I doing in this job? You've all been there. Number two, in fact, we've all felt that way at school too, haven't we? Teacher asks you a question, instantly you forget everything you've ever known. I've been there, you probably have too. The next one, so many of us did not appreciate what we had when we were at school, did we? <laughs> what do I like about school? Nothing. Sometimes we wish we could go back to school to avoid this. 
We're going to be short-staffed today, so if you could just go ahead and do the work of three, that would be great. We've all been there where we've had to do the work of three people. Um, Did you ever hear a teacher say this at school? (laughs) The bell is for me, not for you. (laughs) I have all day. It's your own time. You're wasting. But much like at school, many of us spend time watching the clock at work. That's the face you make when you see people leaving work earlier than you. What did they do? They have a doctor's appointment. How did they get out so quick? (laughs) Then when we're at work, we don't need a bell to remind us of the end of the day, especially on a Friday. (laughs) As much as we love weekends or holidays, we've probably all felt like this at some point. And if you work in education, you've, you know, you've felt that every year since reception. <laughs> um, probably because teachers like to do this to us. Welcome back. I have some news for you. Did I say news? I meant homework. <laughs> That's why we love school so much. And then it's not just at school. This is also very common in the workplace. You get back after one day off and you've got a thousand emails in your inbox so there we go. We probably all can relate to at least one of those memes. <laughs> we, we've all been to school. We've all been to work, or most, a lot of us have been to work. But you get the drift. So um, I'm going to give you three ways in which you can glorify God at work. Now, there are many, many, many more, but I'm going to give you three. And to help you know where we're going today, I'm even going to give you ahead of time what those three are so you can be prepared. The first one is communication, because whatever job you have, whether you clean toilets, whether you teach children, whether you run a business, whether you drive cars, whether you're outdoor, indoor, whatever your job is, it involves communication. The second thing, the way in which you can glorify God is dependence on God. Man, there's days when I wake up and I think, I cannot do this. That should be every day, even when you feel confident about your to-do list. And the final way in which we can glorify God is through our efforts. Now, there are many, many other ways, but I, for time, I thought three is a nice, easy dose to take on. And also, I can pick up on a few of these in the next scripture I'm going to read, which is possibly a scripture that you're familiar with. I'm going to read it all, so um, I don't make apologies for reading the Bible, but it might take me a minute or so because it's a number of verses. It's a passage, it's a parable in Matthew 25, and we'll read it, and then I'm going to unpack those three ways in which you can glorify God in work or in school. So Matthew 25, starting at verse 14, says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Anyone else is boss like that? They're just never in, are they? Um, He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it, it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. When the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole, in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from the trip and called them to give an account of how they had used their money or his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many 
more responsibilities. Promotion. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, which, by the way, probably wasn't that small. He was probably handing a lot of money right there, two bags of silver. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, so you were harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So, solution, I hid it in the earth. Look, as he digs it back up, here is the money you gave me. Here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Hopefully you've never been referred to in the workplace as that, maybe. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered... Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well, what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So a lot in there. Um, I've got 16 minutes to unpack that. And that should be just enough time to work out three ways that you can glorify God at school. Or at work. Or I guess you could apply it to any pursuit that you have in life. But today we're talking largely about work. So number one is communication. So to give you another glorify scripture, um, I think, yes. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, just to add a bit of context to communication. Think about what you say, not just what you say, but how you say it and the actions that you do and how they line up with what you do say from your mouth. So here we go. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. We're his PR company. We're his marketing campaign. We are his promoters. We are the people that magnify him. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I remember as a year nine um, pupil, that's when I discovered God. I discovered God. I became a Christian in year nine, age 13. And um, it was a a wonderful period of my life because actually school friends started to come to church, not because of me, but because we just got into this sort of thing. And we went to church, went to youth groups, and people that I knew from school started to become Christians. That wasn't anything that I did. That was, um, I guess, God. And I thought, I'm never going to have this kind of um, experience with God again. Then I hit university, um, age 18, and I I was at Keele University. Woo! A few fans. And uh, that period, particularly my first year of university, I felt like an ambassador for Christ. Um, Without asking for it, without really bigging myself up, um, every single day um, in my halls of residence, talking to people, sharing people, being part of the CU, being just a, a public Christian. That was the first time I was a public Christian. People who didn't go to church knew I was a Christian. And I thought, God, this is amazing. I didn't think I would ever get that experience again. I left university and thought, I want to go back because I want, I want to have opportunity to share my faith with those who don't know Jesus. And then, as I said, four years ago, I started work in a primary school. Um, and more recently in a, in a sixth form college. And I can't tell you 
without asking for it, without really being, doing anything for it, the number of conversations that I have had with people about my faith as a 30-year-old man, I out, far outweighs what happened at university, far outweighs what happened in year nine. And I don't know what your situation is. You might be thinking, well, people don't even know I'm a Christian at work. But the fact remains, when you are at work, let's say it's eight hours a day, it's probably those people that you work with are probably the people that you spend most of your time with. I spend more time with my colleagues than I do with Steph. So what better opportunity have I got? I always used to regret leaving university because I thought, God, you'll never give me an opportunity like I had. So concentrated, living with people that don't know Jesus, studying with people that don't know Jesus. And suddenly God thrust me into an environment where there were people that didn't know Jesus. And I didn't have to preach the gospel because I never had the intention of going in with my Bible and preaching. But over time, over time, things started to happen. God should be glorified by the way we communicate with our colleagues or our fellow students at school. A couple of ways you can do that is simply love them. You, you probably communicate more with what you do than what you actually say. And I think in works, work can be such a competitive environment because your next promotion could be dependent on the other person failing or your position in that company could be dependent on that other person. So you want them to look bad so that you look good. But why don't we as a people of God, why don't we promote other people, help other people, love other people, serve other people, and God will give us the promotion, not the boss. Let other people succeed and flourish in the workplace. Don't hoard information so that they can't learn. Teach them, help them, serve them, develop them. The man with one bag in this story, he worked, and you, it doesn't actually specifically say it, but you can tell, he worked on his own. He worked in isolation. He got his task request from his boss. He got his to-do list, checked his emails, shut them down, and then hid. Didn't want to tell anyone, didn't want to ask for help. Clearly, he was daunted. Clearly, he was scared. Clearly, he panicked. Have you ever been in work and you panicked? Key thing is communicate. The other two, it doesn't say, but I would imagine that they received help from a team. How did they double their money? You cannot do that on your own. So communication, and normally that starts with your nonverbal communication, your acts of service, your acts of kindness. Serve others. Take an interest in their lives. Point them to Jesus. You can just simply take an interest. Ask them how they are, really. And you've got a conversation almost immediately. And that first conversation you have may not lead to a praying for them, laying hands on them, and then, be then becoming a Christian. But 10 conversations, 100 conversations, 17 years later, however long it takes, they could become a Christian because of that seed that was planted, because you just took time to listen in the staff room. You can also share the gospel. This doesn't necessarily mean you set up a pulpit at lunchtime and you wave your Bible around and you say, come to Jesus. That could happen, depending on your job, you might get fired. Um, but it could be just pray for them. Do the things behind the scenes that no one else is doing for them. Talk to them about church. I um, Something happened in my current workplace. And the last few years, we've done Easter eggs. We've collected Easter eggs in this church and we've distributed them to the schools and local area. Something broke, and I physically saw it in one of my colleagues. When I shared Breeze City Church's Facebook post, when there was a picture of all those Easter eggs, somebody who was very against my faith, who openly said things against me, suddenly, she didn't admit it, 
But she changed. She suddenly smiled whenever God came up in conversation. She suddenly smiled when I walked into the room because I strategically, I don't know if I did it with much thought, but I took a time. I thought, you know what, if I share this tonight, in the morning, she'll have something to say to me about it. Um, and I've often found that. Sometimes I'll be on my lunch break and I'll be like, oh, see something that I think that's, I think it's also important not to overdo it on social media. So if you're not on social media, this is relevant to you. But if you are on social media, there are certain things that you can do. Um, and timing wise, you could just, you could get a conversation out of somebody because of what you've just shared. If you follow and, 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 and uh, you're friends with your colleagues on Facebook, that's how it happened for me. So it was a personal story, but something broke as soon as I showed that the church isn't just a club. As soon as I showed that the church isn't just a religious institution, the church does something for the community and people then got interested. So match your words, sorry, match your, yeah, your words to your actions and your actions to your words and you can go quite far. So that's number one, communication. Communicate love. At the very end of the day, communicate love for your words and your actions. The second thing is dependence on God. And I know I'm running away with time. I felt like this is like almost like a, an interview, an audition. They've just announced that I'm now going to be working at the church. And now this is like an audition, which you're all going to rate me at the end. And one of the things is timekeeping. So <laughs> I'm sure you won't. Um, John 15, verse 5, and then on to verse 8, says this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Get this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Have you ever felt like you just, whatever you've tried at work, you've failed at? You just, you can't seem to get it right. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Through me, him, Jesus, you can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. When you produce much fruit, this is verse 8, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So if you want to glorify God, um, then produce fruit. So God is glorified when we recognize that we cannot do anything in our strength. We need him. Now, I know there's probably days you wake up for work or school and you think, I cannot do this. I am daunted. I am scared. I've not done my homework. I've failed. I'm, I'm going to let my boss down. I'm going to get the sack. You probably had those days and you probably, probably prayed. But what about those days when you think, you know what? I am the man. I, yesterday, I ticked off all of my to-do list. Yesterday, I answered every single email. Yesterday, I converted my whole workplace to Jesus. I am the man or the woman have you ever had those days where you just feel like you can take on the world, maybe, when it comes to work? I feel like I'm just dancing around like Michael McIntyre. But do you, on those days, depend on God? Because apart from him, you can do nothing. And sometimes we can forget that everything that we do, everything good, is from God. And the thing, if there's one practical thing that you can do from this message, and we've said it already in this service, it is pray. Oh my goodness, it is pray. How can I glorify God in the workplace? Well, if you started every day with prayer, you'd be one step closer to reaching your goal of glorifying God. I, um, Steph drives me to work. I get chauffeur-driven every morning. <laughs> but I've decided more recently to um, ask Steph to drop me off a mile before, a mile's walk away from college. Even when it's raining, I've been kind of toying with it. Shall I, shall I? She dropped me off at the door. No, I'm going to walk a mile. And that mile, that mile 
I can pray. I can just surrender and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing today. Please help. Or, God, I feel comfortable about today, but I don't know what's going to happen, so please just help. That mile of prayer, it's fumbling prayer. It's not well articulated. It's just, it's just normal walking down the street but praying as I go. That's changed my life. And I think as I continue my, into my new job, I, I live about a mile from here. It's perfect. Exactly what I need. Begin each day asking God to help you. Instead of being fearful like the, one with, the guy with one bag. He was, was fearful of his boss. Instead of being fearful or overwhelmed, or the phrase I use and Steph will vouch for me, is flapping. Instead of flapping around because something's happening and I don't know how to do it. It's all out of my control. I'm just going to flap and just go crazy. Instead, I'm going to pray. The other thing that you can do to show your dependence on God is to give thanks. That job has come from God. That job, that money, that paycheck, that every single penny that you have, whether you've got a job or not, that schooling, that situation that you're in has come from God. Give thanks. The man with one bag, he doesn't say, but I can assume he didn't thank God for what he'd just been given. Because he was given a whole bag of silver. If I was given a whole bag of silver, I'd be like, wow. But he didn't thank God. And I don't know, it doesn't say in the Bible, but I'm sure the other two were like, wow, look what we've got. Aren't we thankful? And they reap the rewards of their glorifying God. So thank God for your job, for money, for your good health, because it all comes from him. Be positive and thankful and praiseful in the workplace. Don't, you know, pull someone down or, or gossip or join in with the conversations where somebody is slandered, but be positive. Build up, give thanks, and be a thankful person. And I think that is one way in which you can glorify God in your workplace or your school. So the final way in which you can glorify God in the workplace or school, we've had communication, we've had dependence, which I think, have you noticed it's C-D-E, so it's as easy as C-D-E, not as A-B-C. <laughs> um, <you've laughs> C-D-E. Yeah. I think dependence on God is perhaps, it's the middle one here, but I think it's perhaps the most important one. If you want to glorify God in the workplace, start by praying five minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds, whatever you're comfortable with. You will, whatever you face on that day, you will find that you can glorify God. Because God is, and moving on to effort, the third one. God is glorified when we use our skills to the best of our ability. And as you'll see in this next scripture, other people will see your effort as well. Let's read Matthew 5 verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So that everyone will praise, that word is, is the same word in the Greek, glorify, will praise your heavenly Father. So actually, if you put your best effort into your work, other people, without even realizing it, will glorify God. So not only are you glorifying God with your efforts and your best intentions, other people will glorify God. So strive for excellence. The man with one bag he had no pride in himself. He had no pride in what he'd been given. He didn't see the value of what he had been given. He had no confidence in his abilities to reproduce something. He just simply thought, well, I'll just keep hold of what I've got because I've got no confidence in myself to produce anything in my job. Know that you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So whatever job you are facing, whatever schooling you are going through right now, you can do it. 
Have confidence in yourself. Be like the other two who they use their skills to double your money. I'm not a businessman, but if you, whatever you have been given, whatever your company is worth, whatever you are worth as a, as a businessman or woman, if you can double that, that is some skill to double that. So the other two, they used their skill. They gave their best efforts. Probably used other people to help them as well. So the question, or sorry, the, the point I'm trying to make is get good at what you do. If you work with children, get good at working with children. If you work with papers and files and emails, get good at working with papers, files and emails. If you don't have an email account but you use the phone, get good at using the phone. If you work with people, love them like you've never loved before. Serve them like you've never served before. Be a good steward of the skills, the talents that you've been given. In another part of the Bible, it calls this parable, the parable of the talents. What have you got? The skill. You might not be good at everything, but you might be good at one thing. Shine like stars. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. And then almost finally, before I ask the musicians to, to pop back up, is to how can we demonstrate or how can we glorify God through our efforts? Well, I think... We have to acknowledge that we are working for God and not for a man or woman. You may have a great boss. You may have a difficult boss. You may have many bosses. You might have different things, and it's difficult to work out the politics in your workplace. But your number one boss, you might be self-employed, and you think, well, I'm the boss. As a Christian, he is the boss. Work for him and not for man, and you will glorify God. The man with one bag he was probably even unaware that God was involved in this equation. He was unaware that God could help him. He was unaware that God would enable him and give him the skills in order to do what he needed to do. And you know what? He was hiding as well. So you can't hide anything from God. I'm not suggesting anyone in this room is doing any dodgy deals or not working with integrity. I'm not suggesting that. But there are certain things that we do behind the scenes. Just, I'll dig a little hole so that no one sees what I've just done. I've just, I've just used all the toilet roll in the toilet and not replaced it. Or I've just, I've not restocked the photocopier. Or I don't know, you know, more serious examples like you've, you've dodged something up or whatever it might be. Certain things that we do in work or in school that we just don't want anyone else to, to know. If we've got one boss, know that he sees. Know that he knows. And we cannot hide from God. So be absolutely and meticulously honest and trustworthy in your job in order to glorify him. It could just be turn up on time and leave on the right time because so many people can rob their employer by arriving late or leaving early deliberately without permission or just slacking on the job. We don't, many of us I'm sure don't steal the petty cash or we don't rob from our employer but we might rob our employer's time. Maybe. So work for God because he is your boss. And actually, just to put this in context of this whole year, if I can summarize my whole preach right now in four words, it is give God your best. So how do I glorify God in work? To summarize, and actually, if the band could come onto the stage, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. How can we glorify God? In the workplace, all guys, younger guys in school or university, give God your best. 
And to conclude before I pray, I'm going to read a final scripture. And it says this in 1 Corinthians, verse 10. Verse, sorry, chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or receptionists or accountants or janitors or your management. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others. And get this, so that many may be saved. At work and at school, you will not have a greater opportunity to reach others because of the time that you spend with those at work or school. And you know what, as this scripture says, when you choose to glorify God, not only does God benefit, and bear in mind, God doesn't need your glorifying. He is glorious enough. But when you make a decision every day to glorify God at work or at school, it is best for others so that others might be saved. When you give your best to God, who knows what might happen? You never know. And I'm believing, even though I'm leaving my job, um, I'm moving to a new job here, I'm believing that those colleagues that I've invested time in, not deliberately, really, not, I'm not going on an evangelism mission trip to that, uni- that place of work. I'm believing one of them texted me to say he wanted to come today. And I started to feel very awkward because I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be preaching about work. I might even mention colleagues by name. You're the one that I'm praying for. And he wanted to come today. He's not come. <laughs> I might send him the message to listen online. <laughs> but I'm just believing that colleagues won't just like me as a Christian. They won't just tolerate Christianity. They won't just change their mind about God. I believe that these people will be saved. And you can do the same.